All right, let's get started with uh, another episode of Bet on Lacrosse. This is episode 48, guys. We're closing in on episode 50, which is crazy to think about. Um, this started way back with Doug and Dan Newbert. Um, I was the producer at the time. Today I'll be hosting, and I am joined by Justin Byers and Brian Andrews to talk some college betting as well as some NLL betting. Some of us did well last week. Some of us not so much. Justin, you cleaned up. I think you went 8-2 and two last week. Uh, I didn't do so well. I won't even say my record. I went 0-3 for my picks, though, that I gave out on action. So um, definitely uh, not a great start for me, but that was only week zero. Brian, how did you do last weekend? You did pretty well, I think, right? Uh, I did end up negative, but, uh, you know, some NLL lines that were gifted to us last week kept me in the positive overall. It wasn't a complete wash. I think I went like three and five or something like that. So I, I kind of had a laundry list. Uh, I think I was excited about week one and, I think this week we're, we're going to talk a little bit about reining it in maybe a little given uh, the the amount of lines that we have and some of the prices that we're seeing. Yeah, and I should preface, I didn't do well college. I actually did really well NLL, and a lot of it was thanks to you, Brian, for spotting some bad opening lines. Whereas with college, you know, some of these lines are moving very, very quickly. Uh, you know, we had some, some really bad lines for NLL open up uh, initially, and we were able to take advantage of them. If you, you know, some of these college lines, they're not bad lines. They're just moving quickly because people are all on top of them. And, you know, you see uh, teams like Virginia, you know, open up as four and a half, moving quickly to five and a half, right? Actually, they were five and a half moving to six and a half. Georgetown was four and a half moving to five and a half. Um, and as well as I think Maryland was another one that moved, uh, you know, a lot of movement all over the place. Uh, Duke as well on a Tuesday game yesterday, they moved, they were five and a half, moved down to six and a half. They ended up covering both those anyway, but uh, yeah, definitely uh, a lot of movement um, across the board. Uh, let's start off though with some NLL talk um, and we'll start off with some futures talk. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, Hutton Jackson, you can see all the futures and the longest odds uh, for each team. We're not really going to go through them. Uh, you can go check out my tweet. I will say that, we're seeing some uh, 101 spots for three teams. Uh, Warriors, Swarm, and Riptide. Riptide only have one win. Swarm are winless, and the Warriors only have one win as well. Uh, as long as these prices are as probably outrageous as they are for a 15-team league, not recommending you go and bet any of these uh, because these teams' playoff hopes are dwindling, and they are probably not going to make the playoffs. Warriors are already in sell mode. Um, could we see the Swarm in sell mode? Potentially, you know, so and Riptide as well have already been uh, making some trades to acquire some draft picks and moving some pieces. So not teams you really want to bet on. Desert Dogs, surprisingly, they've been the longest odds throughout the season up until this week at plus 5,000. So um, their playoff hopes are a little bit better, but they only had two wins as well. I don't think they're uh, a contender to make the playoffs either. So some of these long odds definitely stay away from, whereas the top starting to settle in, you know, with the Seals now plus 550, they were sitting pretty firmly at plus 600 for a while. They're moving a little bit. Rock, you know, the market moved pretty quickly on the Rock, and rightly so because they look like the best team in the league so far. Um, and let's kind of go into them a little bit. They have a game on Friday, Brian, which uh, we're both kind of, you know, looking looking at uh, this weekend. Thoughts on, uh, you know, let's go right into our, uh, our best bets. Thoughts on uh, the Rock versus the Swarm this weekend. Yeah, I think this is like the squarest play of all time. Uh, you have the Rock featuring like the best defense and goalie in the league and a very, very productive offense against a Swarm team who is still struggling, struggling despite having, you know, Brett Dobson and Cage and the improvement there uh, and their lack of ability to keep up with some of these high power offenses. Uh, so 
I just don't see a universe right now. I mean, any given Sunday for sure, but I just don't see a universe right now where you see the Swarm keep up with a team that's firing on all cylinders like the Rock is currently. So I'm taking, and I know you probably are, and everyone in the universe probably is taking the Rock minus two and a half against them. Um, I forget what the line is. It's like one minus 125 or something like that. Um, and in the Canadian books, we actually saw the uh, Coolback Canada dropped a minus three and a half on this game. So if you're betting on an American book, DK or MGM, you're getting already an extra point for not a lot of juice for a, a really disparaged matchup. So I think this is, a, this is a prime spot to get in on. Yeah, and of course, each matchup's different, but to kind of put it in perspective, the only time we've seen another three and a half this season is actually when the Swarm were three and a half uh, underdogs against the Bandits on a U.S. sports book. I forget which one it was. Um, might have been about three six five. So, uh, you know, they've actually been spot before, and they didn't cover that time either. But um, I, it's it's tough for me because I actually think the swarm are going to be a sneaky good play as an underdog. You know, not just on the money line. They they almost lost. They almost beat the Mammoth last week. That game ended up, uh, you know, being a three. They lost by three, but it was close till the end, and just a bunch of penalties at the end killed them. And then they got it. The Mammoth got an empty netter. So if you watch that game. Rather than look at the box score, they're actually pretty close to upsetting the Mammoth. Um, and I think they're going to be, you know, a good team to kind of back. Now that Dobson's in cage, it gives them a little bit more stability. This isn't the spot to do it, though. This is the spot to, you know, take a, a what honestly is kind of a shorter price on the Rock. Um, because I wouldn't be surprised if the Rock start drawing some three and a half against some these weaker teams going forward, um, you know, on some U.S. books. So, yeah, that's definitely the play for me. That's my best bet. Um and uh, I have another one, Calgary, Saskatchewan, under 23 and a half. I would have loved if it was 24 and a half, but these defenses are both really good. Now, Calgary plays pretty quick. You know, they get up and down the floor, and, you know, we've seen Saskatchewan put up some points too. I just think this type of matchup is going to be more conducive of them kind of settling in. You got Alex Buquet is playing lights out. Del Bianco is playing lights out. Um, you know, I wish Calgary was a little bit longer as an underdog because I love backing them as an underdog. Uh, so far they're six and one against the spread and I believe they won outright in most of those games as well. So, uh, they've been, you know, a sneaky good team to bet on. We cashed in, uh, last week with one of my picks on them, uh, covering the spread against Halifax. They won outright in overtime, but, uh, this is the play where I, I think you actually bet the under in this game. So, um, I like it at 23 and a half. I wouldn't go any lower than that. If it's 22 and a half, I wouldn't play it. Um, if you find a 24 and a half out there, I haven't been able to see one yet, but definitely, uh, definitely bet that under if you see it, but, um, that would probably be my other best bet. I'm kind of waiting to see too, if we get some player props, cause we got player props on FanDuel last week. They usually are up later in the week. So definitely be on the lookout, you know, Thursday, Friday for those, um, Definitely more exploitable, I'd say, just because we haven't had player props in the U.S. market until this past week. Uh, we cashed on a few, you know, where they actually had uh, Mitch Jones listed under the Vancouver side. And uh, although I, you know, weren't able to bet Mitch Jones as a, a Philadelphia wing, I was able to kind of use that to bet the under on Blaze Reardon's prop, knowing that Mitch Jones was probably going to have a larger presence on that lefty side and take a little bit of playing a time away from him. We also uh, cashed on Joe Resateris getting a, a hat trick uh, against his former team. So some spots there that, uh, you know, if there are some player props get posted, that's probably where I'm going to be looking this week because I'm not too crazy about the board. You got another best bet for us, though, uh, Brian, before uh, we get to our email? Yeah, and uh, just to comment on what you just said, I think it's really surprising still that uh, FanDuel, like, 
gave out player props for this league, given that uh, there was a comment earlier in the season that uh, player props wouldn't be available on whatever their partner is, MGM or DK. I think it's MGM, though, uh, specifically because of uh, a lack of a data stream. So I'm very surprised to see them up on FanDuel, and we might get some favorable odds because of those issues. So it's definitely something that we need to keep an eye on moving forward. Uh, but my other best bet is also an under. I'm looking at the Panther City. Go ahead. I would say to that point real quick, uh, I was actually the one that reported that we were looking at player props because uh, the commissioner was expecting notebooks to release them. Um, and point number two is actually, I don't believe that MGM is the sponsor this year. I think uh, that w- that deal ran out before the beginning of the season. So I don't think the NLO is partnered with the sports book just currently um, for this year. So uh, yeah, it is interesting to see, you know, FanDuel do that. You know, maybe FanDuel has been working with the NLL behind the scenes to kind of make that happen. Uh, maybe they just saw an opportunity where they could get, you know, some some people betting on uh, other things as well as they, you know, they just started releasing the lines like a few weeks ago and now they're at offering player props. So they've been moving pretty quickly in the lacrosse space. Um, so definitely interesting there. But yeah, just wanted to, to reiterate that. I don't think the NLL has a partner yet, but it is great to see that we get player props. Hopefully again this weekend. Yeah, so something to keep an eye on. Uh, but the game that the other game that I'm looking at is uh, Panther City versus the Warriors. The total for them is uh, 24 and a half. And right now we're seeing a lot of 23s and 24s and a halves, and that's because I think we've been seeing really high scoring games this season, which weren't as characteristic last season when we were seeing a lot of 22s and 23s uh, posted for lines. And I think that this line is slightly inflated because two weeks ago these teams met, uh, played each other and. Panther City hung 20 on the Warriors, uh, which is not really a small feat, even though we're seeing it pretty commonly from the Rock and the Thunderbirds um, and some of these really prolific offenses. We haven't seen that as commonly from Panther City. And the Warriors, even though they lost, you know, Logan Schuss and uh, Mitch Jones to injury and the Wings, respectively, uh, they still gave the Rush a scare last week. Uh, So they still have some fight in them, even though they've lost a lot of pertinent personnel. And I don't think that Panther City has shown, especially with Calum Crawford, as a, as a uh, he's not a healthy scratch anymore. He's on the short-term holdout list. So if he doesn't play, there's more production from Panther City that's not going to be present in this game. Uh, so I think this line is heavily inflated from the 20-7 to 7 result from two weeks ago. Uh, not a, a reflection a lot of the personnel changes. Uh, so I think we could see a little bit grittier of a matchup. I think the Warriors are going to try and scrap for a win. And I think to do that, they're going to have to keep the score low because they've lost a lot of their production on the offensive side of the floor. So I'm taking Panther City Warriors under 24 and a half there. I think that's a good spot. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad spot. You know, Aiden Walsh is starting to kind of settle in as the Vancouver goaltender, um, whether it's him or maybe they go with Aaron Bold. I think, you know, the defense is starting to look a little bit better in Vancouver. And, you know, the biggest holes are on the offensive side uh you know losing logan shuts to injury mitch jones to a trade so um that obviously plays into your under as well you know if they're unable to put up some points against the panther city defense that has looked pretty good you know um they've been a little inconsistent you know getting beat pretty handedly by some of these juggernaut teams but um they're a solid defense so yeah i i don't uh, hate this play at all either i'll probably be on it as well um and that's kind of really you know, it for us, uh, there is a game that we got our eyes on that we love, you know, betting this trend um, that uh, we won't get odds until Calgary plays on Friday. So after they're done 
you'll ho- hopefully see some lines get posted. Bet365 has kind of been the quicker one. DraftKings and Caesars have also been posting these as well. But uh, Calgary, Colorado. It was a close game last time. Colorado ended up uh, notching the win. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see who, you know, they kind of make favorite because you can argue Calgary's been playing a lot better than Colorado has the past couple weeks. Um, but this is a game that if Colorado is the underdog or gets that plus one and a half, me backing them because the trend trend has been uh, going pretty well so far uh, in terms of backing teams that uh, are are more like fading teams that are on short rest playing a fresh team. So I don't know thoughts on that, Brian. Are, are you going to be with me uh, back in uh, blindly backing Colorado? Depending on that, you know, if Colorado is the favorite and they're laying a minus one and a half. I'm going to have to really kind of see what the juice is on the the money line before I bet them, but I'm still going to try probably trying to find a way to, to back them. Um, even if it's maybe more on the player prop market. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, in particular, because Calgary is playing the rush who have a particularly oppressive defense. So I think they're going to go from their Friday matchup against the rush to the Saturday matchup against the mammoth pretty banged up. And if they, if the books give Calgary the, you know, the favored odds, uh, you know, minus one and a half on the spread. Picking uh, the underdog in those situations has worked out really well for us. Last week, it worked out for the Las Vegas Desert Dogs against the Mammoth. Uh, and that's one of Vegas's two wins. So, like, th- this is a trend that you should particularly take advantage of in the NLL just because of its increased physicality. The wear and tear on guys is way different than in field across. So, a one day rest is just unsustainable for. Uh, a lot of these teams, especially when they go up against teams with strong defenses the night before, they're going to be hurting. And Colorado is going to try and play a fast-paced game to take advantage of that, I think, and get a W on uh, Saturday night. So you got to keep an eye out on the books that will post a line. We have not seen MGM post lines for the second game, usually on these weekends. So you got to look at, you know, DK, Caesars, or Bet365, like you were saying. Um, so just keep an eye out Friday night, Saturday morning for that extra line to pop up. And if Colorado's the underdog, we'll be playing it and you'll be able to see us play it on the action app. So follow us there. If you get a chance. Yeah, definitely. You know, I work for the action network, so I'm always going to, you know, preach, uh, you know, following us on the action app, you know, downloading it, using it. Uh, but I do recommend it's, you know, really good app to become more responsible, better. Uh, and you can find all my plays as soon as they go in there. You can find Brian Justin's plays as soon as they go in there as well. Um, and to reference that trend that we've been referring to, too, um, the, so far, teams that are playing their second game of a weekend against a fresh team in the past two seasons are five and thirteen straight up. So they're only winning five of thirteen, or they're only winning five of eighteen games so far. And then they're four and fourteen against the spread. So obviously, sometimes they're underdogs, sometimes they're favorites. Um, and we did see the Buffalo Bandits kind of buck this trend a few weeks ago, but so far this trend has hit one of uh, four times this year. So quarter of the time. Uh, you know, only, only 75% of the time this trend is, uh, is working. So that's where we like this spot. And like you said, you kind of laid out the, the reasons behind it. It's just t- tough to play two games, two NLL games in the same weekend, back to back, especially facing a team that has the whole week to prepare for you. And you're going to turn around and, you know, have to usually less than 24 hours. And sometimes they're traveling too. I, I forget who's traveling and who, but like last week, Colorado wasn't traveling that far going to Las Vegas, but they still had to go, you know, travel. And sometimes, you know, a lot of these players play in different, they live in different cities. So it's not like they're, they're usually traveling no matter what, even for home games, but 
still something to notice, you know, the quick 24 turn hour turnaround is not a, not a good spot for a lot of these teams. So almost like a scheduled loss, if you could say. And that's going to wrap up our NLL talk. Uh, again, we're not too crazy about a lot of these games this weekend, but let's bring uh, Justin back in. Uh, and we'll start off with you, Justin, in terms of best bets for NCAA. Uh, what are you kind of looking this weekend? I, I know we had a lot of line movement, but uh, what's your favorite bet this week? Yeah, it, this is the uh, the first week with a, a pretty large board. So it was, it's kind of hard to kind of pick your, your spots here and, and also be smart at the same time. But the one game I'm really eyeing this this the second week is like St. Bonaventure. I think uh, I think this is going to be a close one against Bellarmine. We saw what Bellarmine did against Duke last week. They are able to somewhat hang for a quarter and a half, and then, of course, the Blue Devils ran away with it. But we've seen Bellarmine play not necessarily to their competition when it comes to conference play and other mid-major teams. So this is a good spot for St. Bodies coming off an 11-4 record last year. They're bringing back Jackson Rose and Jake Rosa, which is their, their two key calls on the offensive end. I know they're they're going to be missing Brett Dobson and Cage, so hopefully this new goalie there for for the Bonnies will, will be able to hold tight. But, yeah, I like St. Bonaventure in this spot. It's it's even money at 115, and I think they get the, the season off right, so that that's where I'm looking at. Yeah, no, it's definitely interesting. Like, uh, you know, some of these – uh, mid-major games, I'm still like, you know, not sure of, uh, I know you got me on one today with uh, Holy Cross uh, playing against Merrimack. So that game is going on right now. We both took Holy Cross uh, plus four and a half. So it's a close one right now. It's a, a little bit of a sweat, but uh, hopefully that, that one pans out. What about you, Brian? What are you looking for uh, this upcoming, technically college lacrosse week one? Last week was technically week zero. So it was technically week one. Where, where are you looking this week? Yeah, I got two plays for college this week that I think look really good. Uh, first, I'm looking at St. John's Manhattan. So we're doing some mid-major stuff again. Surprise. For, both of my picks are mid-majors. Uh, so Brandon Biagi is going to be really happy listening to this one. Um, I like the total in this game. It's under or it's uh, set at 23 and a half. And I like the under. Uh, Manhattan had a pretty notorious defense last year. They were they also had uh, Krebs in net who made a name for himself and Manhattan and low scoring games kind of went hand in hand when they were going up against opponents of similar skill, um, not necessarily against like the top tier, or, like the top 20 teams all the time. Uh, but even though Krebs is gone, they're still returning a lot of veteran defensive players and they still have a junior goalie in cage. Uh, so I think I think that defense is going to be able to slow the game down against a team like St. John's, who probably or generally historically does not have the fastest or highest scoring offense. Uh, so I think 23 and a half is a pretty appropriate line, but I, but I could see this being like a nine, seven or a 12, 10 or something like that. Uh, so it might be a little bit of a sweat, but I like the under in this game. I think it's going to be very defensive. And, you know, last week I might've found uh, a favorite team of mine in Virginia military Institute. VMI gave them out as an EMO last week on the money line against Detroit mercy. And they held a lead the whole time and won the game. And this week they're playing Queens, who we just saw last week. They played uh, Navy. And, uh, you know, the spread was really high against Navy, and Navy ended up covering, if I remember correctly. Um, and But the spread was like minus 13 and a half or something, like something really large. And uh, VMI only opened up at six and a half, which I ended up, you know, putting money on early because I really liked the line because – Queens is very comparable to other teams that have made the transition to D1. You can think about teams like Hampton, for example, where these teams kind of go through 
And regardless of what tier of D1 teams that they're playing, they kind of get rolled. So six and a half, seven and a half does not feel like a large enough spread for this game. Uh, you can go see VMI's record against other teams that have recently made these transitions and they put numbers up on them too. So I think even at minus seven and a half where it's sitting right now at minus 135, I think that's a pretty good number to get. Uh, and then if Queens is able to keep that game close, it's worth reassessing spreads that the books are giving Queens in the future. But I think right now Queens has to prove to me that they're worthy of spreads, even this small for me not to place money on that bet. So I'm going with VMI minus seven and a half minus one thirty five. All right. Another uh, good play there. And uh, before I give him mine, I kind of want to pick your guys' brain because mention some line movement. So, um, you know, I don't know if you guys got in early or not. I didn't really get in early on some of these games. We got Michigan, Virginia. Virginia was minus five and a half. It's already moved now to minus seven and a half. You also have Georgetown was minus four and a half. Now it's minus six and a half. And then Maryland, I believe, was minus seven and a half. I don't think it was any lower than that. They're minus eight and a half, but that could get to minus nine and a half by uh, you know the weekend. Any of those games? Are you guys looking, you know, if you didn't get it in the initial number, um, are you looking to play, you know, the favorite knowing, hey, like, I think this is still going to be a blowout, even if I'm not getting the right number? Or are you looking to maybe think, all right, the line's moved enough. Now I'm confident maybe betting a Hopkins to cover a large spread or, you know, a Michigan to cover that large spread or even a Loyola to cover a large spread. What are you guys thoughts on that? Any, any thoughts on any game in particular? Or are you just staying off of them in general? You know, on my end, I'm really eyeing that Michigan-Virginia game. And I think the reason why we're seeing that line movement is because Virginia is one of those blue blood programs. But I know Michigan's kind of been developing, and I know they had some flashes last year. And they always come out against really good teams and play well. They always kind of stay within a reach for about three quarters or so, and then maybe they'll they'll kind of go, go on a run that they can't really sustain offensively, but I, I think Michigan can maybe hang with Virginia. I know it's really daunting just because of the talent that the Cavaliers have, but seven seven and a half is a big number, and the fact that it moved the other way um, kind of makes me a little bit more uh, friendly towards it. Yeah, it's interesting, too. Like, you know, a lot of those times you don't really want to, you know, you want to be on the right side of line movement with a lot of, you know, sports, but with lacrosse, you got to just take into account that, you know, there's probably some sharp lacrosse betters out there. We like to consider us ourselves, you know, sometimes on that type of side. But um, in terms of lacrosse line movement, it's really going to be dependent on just public perception. You, know, you can actually go on to DraftKings and see how much, you know, money is on uh, which side and, you know, kind of use that to judge like where the public's on. And like you said, with some of these teams like Virginia, you know, people, you know, if you're watching closely, you know, Michigan's been pretty competitive the past couple of years, but still like you look at it, people are going to see Virginia and think, Oh, it's Virginia. It's UVA. Um, same with, you know, some of these other schools like Maryland. Um, but I, I personally don't think I'm going to buy any of these underdogs. Um, Hopkins would probably be the one I'd, I'd look at. Uh, I feel like though we've been hearing a lot of things at Georgetown, you know, it, it's, it's been UVA and Maryland the past couple of years. People are saying Georgetown's right up there. It's, you know, those are the big three. Um, so that's why I kind of wanted to, you know, talk about this a little bit. So I don't know. Hopkins looked pretty good last week. Six and a half's a lot though, you know, for Georgetown to cover. Um, personally though, I think I'm going to stay off of these, uh, you know, and I mean, Loyola too is another one where they always play Maryland tight, but last year it wasn't the case. And Maryland looks like, you know, they're going to roll again this, uh, this season, despite, you know, all their losses. So 
Um, I'm probably staying off of all this, these ones. And I think it's just important too, to kind of, if you're going and looking at these lines, um, try to, if you can check on Monday, Tuesday, and you know, one, if you want to get in early, get in early, but also just see how the line moves a little bit and, um, just be careful too. You don't want to buy in at a bad number, you know, like, um, you know, here we're talking about underdogs, maybe not making the case for them, but, um, it's hard for me too to make a case for any of these favorites laying such large spreads, you know, so. Um, and the, the DraftKings has been pretty sharp with their uh, their line so far. We had a lot of close calls last week, which means, um, you know, they really – there wasn't a lot of edges to be found. What about you, Brian? Thoughts on this? Yeah, I, the numbers moved enough, and they're right in a weird spot where I don't really like any of them necessarily for the favorite or the underdog. If some of them go up a couple more points, so like we get a couple more points for the dog, I might consider pulling the trigger. Um but you're right. We, like we have to be diligent in finding some of these advantageous lines. Like even Delaware went from minus four and a half to like minus six and a half. I think against Lafayette. I I don't have the schedule in front of me, but against a team that they should probably beat by seven. But like, do you want to lay seven points? Do you want to guarantee, or do you want to hit them early, winning by five goals? So, you know, for week one, for some of these large spreads, I think it's good to just kind of hang back and see if some of these teams are going to be able to uh, compete with Maryland. Cause I remember last year we were talking about this too, because Maryland was getting some like, really high spreads just, and they justified those high spreads. Uh, so I think we need to, for me personally, at least I need to wait like a week to see which of these teams are legit and can uh, justify those spreads or otherwise. And then maybe we could take advantage of lines in week, you know, maybe two or three. So I'm saying off for now and uh, I'm sticking more towards uh Low, lower spreads in in the top tier games like the the UVA Maryland's if we ever get any. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, and uh, and that's the other thing too. I think to also kind of consider is if you don't like the spread, also kind of look to the total because you can kind of play the total based on it. I mean, especially as these lines moves, the totals aren't moving as much. They're not really line moving consistently with these spreads. So a good example, I, I'll give my one of my best bets right now is I like the under in Ohio State, Cleveland State. Now, I'm not going to lay 11 and a half with Ohio State because I think it's going to be low scoring. I think this Ohio State defense is going to kind of, you know, take care of business against Cleveland State. But 11 and a half is a lot. So if I like Ohio State to kind of, you know, win and kind of keep it low scoring, um, I'm not going to want to bet them minus 11 and a half because that means they're going to have to score a lot of goals. So if I was to bet the under and bet Ohio State 11 and a half minus 11 and a half, I'm kind of going against, you know, myself. Not necessarily, you know, both could hit, but your margin of error is much smaller. So I'm not playing them on the spread, but I do think they'll, you know, be able to win pretty handedly. So that's why I like the under 24 and a half. Um, you know, for other reasons too, I think their defense looked really stout, getting Marcus Hudgens on that defense. Uh, with Van Buren, you know, they look really good. Obviously, that offense looked pretty good last week as well, but they're just a team that doesn't tend to really play really fast. And, um, you know, against Cleveland State, I think they're going to be able to have their way. Uh, and I, I just don't see this game really going over this mark of 24 and a half. So uh, right now it's slightly juiced to the uh, the under at minus 125, but uh, I like it at tw- under 24 and a half. I just don't think there's going to be a lot of goals. I think, you know, you could see uh, uh, Ohio State kind of, hit cruise control in the second half, you know, maybe we see a, uh, you know, 13 to five win or something like that. So um, that's kind of where I'm eyeing uh, with this. I just don't see Cleveland state putting up double digits 
uh, against this Ohio State defense. And I don't really see Ohio State, you know, pulling a Duke or Maryland and really running up the score either. So that's kind of where I'm leading. That's one of my uh, best bets for the weekend. And then in terms of uh, uh, some other bets too, uh, let me just pull up our rundown here. Um, I, I like Boston minus one and a half as well. I know, you know, it's probably not as strong of a play for me, but um, I think this Boston team is going to be good. And if you saw Vermont last week against Syracuse, uh, they obviously, you know, hung in there pretty much for all four quarters, but a lot of it was due to the play of their goaltender whose name is escaping me. Um, and then also the face-off, they dominated the face-offs, which really made it hard for Syracuse to build a lead. But Boston's got one of the better face-off guys in the league as, in the NCAA as well. So I don't think they're going to have that advantage as much. And, you know, I think this is a good spot to bat a Boston team that should probably win the Patriot League. You know, they're going to be up there with, uh, you know, Navy and Loyola probably. So um, minus one and a half, I think, is not too much to lay. You could also get them on the money line. But I think Boston minus one and a half is my uh, other best bet of the weekend. I don't know if you guys have similar thoughts on that. I know, Justin, you were kind of lying this game as well. Any Any thoughts on that? Yeah, the, this Boston team is really interesting just because we saw them like really take the next step last season and we expect better results this year. So it kind of makes me like hesitant to ever bet against them just because I, I know what they're kind of capable of. But the fact that Vermont was able to stay with Syracuse, even though we know Syracuse is kind of lukewarm right now, the fact that Vermont played them in, within three goals is is daunting in itself. So I think, honestly, this might be the game of the week. Um, I think just from a, a, a pure lacrosse fan standpoint, it's going to be a really good one. Yeah, no, I agree. And, uh, you know, I take my takeaways from that Syracuse-Vermont game is I think Syracuse is better than what we saw. Um, you know, I think a, a lot of shots just didn't go their way. Um, goalie, Vermont goalie made a lot of great saves. And then I just don't think Vermont, you know, his offense is sustainable with, you know, having the faceoff advantage was big for them. But it didn't. They didn't look that great, and so I'm kind of. I was looking for a spot to kind of fade or back one of these teams, and with Syracuse, it's just too many points. I was hoping that the spread was going to be a little bit shorter against Albany, but six and a half, I think, is what it was. Uh, it might still be that. Um, it might have even moved. That's just kind of a little too much for me. So that's one that I'm kind of staying off of. But Vermont is the one where I think I'm going to fade Vermont in this this spot and take Boston, you know, as a short favorite. So um, that's kind of where. Where am I in for this one? Let's move on to our extra money opportunities. So these are plus money plays. Um, and I'll have you uh, go first, Justin, because you have one. And then, Brian, I think we're you know kind of in the similar boat. I don't even know if you have one. But um, let's go uh, with you, Justin. Thoughts on uh, extra money opportunities. Where have you seen some plus money plays that you want to play? Yeah, I, I'm rolling with St. John's against Manhattan. Uh, plus one and a half at plus 110, which I think is really good value despite the circumstances with it being a, a spread play. I'm also going to be sprinkling a little bit on the money line there at plus 160 for the Red Storm. And, and the reason why I'm kind of rolling with this is last year that game finished 8-7, which I expect another close matchup. And the Red Storm bring back a lot of experience on the defensive end. Um, they bring back two of their strongest poles. They also bring back Brian Kelly at attack, which I think he'll, he'll be able to orchestrate a lot of the offense and, and kind of get things going there for the first game out. Uh, I know we saw a lot from Manhattan. I know Brian was talking a little bit about this team earlier, and I think this kind of plays well into his thoughts on the under of it just being a close matchup, gritty, back and forth, two teams just really fighting it out. So I think St. John's keeps it close. They 
they could possibly uh, win outright. So, yeah, I'm rolling with St. John's plus one and a half. Yeah, I, I like that. I might uh, have to play that as well. Um, and then for mine, I'm going UMass plus 115 uh, against Army. Army lost, you know, a handful of players, including, you know, Brendan Nickturn, who is arguably their – no, not arguably, probably unarguably their best player last year, uh, lit it up in the PLL. Um, and UMass played them tight last year. That spread was uh, three and a half last year. I remember that because I was on Army side hoping they would cover. Um, and UMass ended up making it a game. They only lost by one. UMass was a tough team to kind of figure out last year. I mean, they had some wins over Brown, Yale, Vermont. Um, but then they also played Al- Albany kind of close, which Albany wasn't very good last year. Um, they beat Delaware last year. Um, you know, they, they played Towson tight in their first game and then lost to Towson in that CAA uh, matchup uh, to, you know, get into the to tournament. So, I don't know. I think UMass is going to be pretty good. I just like them as, you know, in the spot against an Army team that, you know, is probably going to have a down year compared to you know, previous seasons. So, a plus 115, I like that, you know, short underdog. Um, that's the one that uh, I'm going to bet as my extra money opportunity. Thoughts on that, Brian? You, you agree with me? Uh, similar thoughts or are you going against me on any of these? No, I, I actually like that. And I, I actually posted that Army UMass line to the to our Slack channel earlier this week. And I was like, this feels really off to me because I didn't remember that UMass played them really close. Um, and I think I was hesitant because I probably remember late in last season, UMass having some volatile wins and losses where, you know, you beat Delaware, who then goes on to beat Georgetown, but they lost to Towson, who also had some questionable losses. So I think I was just having recency bias from last season kind of cloud my judgment. So I, I like the spot for them too. Uh, it'll be interesting to see Army's offense really uh, against UMass, who's typically a really gritty team. So I, I, I think this was another contender for game of the week. And I really like the play on the underdog. Yeah, no. And it, it's interesting too, because like uh, we mentioned, you know, UMass kind of having a streaky season last year. Um, they've kind of been streaky in this this matchup with army as well. You know, they kept it close last year, only losing by one. Then they got blown out the year before in 2020. Then they won an overtime or sorry, they lost an overtime in 2019, but then they also got blown out before that. So kind of been hit or miss, uh, you know, um, can't really look at again, like the past to kind of, especially, you know, with the turnover of the roster in college, but um, I don't know. I think they're going to get up for this game. I like that as a good spot, um, you know, against the army team that I do think is going to have a down year. So that's my uh, extra money opportunity. I think that's it, guys, for our bets. Uh, any other thoughts uh, on uh, these games? Any parting parting thoughts on college lacrosse? Yeah, I'm with you guys on the, on the UMass play. I, I told myself last year I wouldn't bet against Greg Canella, and I can't start doing it now, so I'm going to roll with the Minutemen, too. I, mean, I love it, but it's not the kiss of death. Uh, we had a few of those with Utah Jacksonville last week. So. Um, and, and this Merrimack one, Holy Cross is a sweat, Justin. Uh, we've got a 13-8 lead for Merrimack right now. Uh, I'm just looking at the stats online. So hopefully uh, hopefully Holy Cross can put a few late just to cover that four and a half spread. But we'll see. But uh, um, we got one request. We got Ted Huss to get your thoughts. So Ted hosts the Lax Factor podcast. Um, and you can find that on YouTube as well. Ted, what, what are you eyeing this weekend? What are, what are your thoughts? Uh, you agree with us or disagree with us on any of our well, plays? Well, I like Boston U. Uh, the big one for me where you're talking about kind of easy money plays here would be Delaware Lafayette. I think that Delaware bringing back all three of their attackmen coming off of the huge NCAA uh, tournament win over Georgetown, I think they're going to absolutely just wax 
Lafayette. So I think picking Delaware to cover is another easy, easy play. Yeah. 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 Fairly large spread at six and a half. I, was it five and a half before Brian? Do you know? Um, or is it? It opened score? at four. Four. I okay. got Delaware. At, so. I got Delaware at five and a half. And what'd you say? It's six and a half. Now I, I even like it at six and a half, not quite as much, but I think that they're going to be that good Lafayette against Penn state, not a great showing and Penn state put, you know, put the hurt on them a little bit. And I think Delaware could potentially be a better team, uh, even both offensively and defensively than Penn state this year. Delaware is loaded. And just to add to what you're saying, they also still have own grant. So I don't know. I, I don't know Lafayette's roster very well off the top of my head, but if they don't have depth in scoring, Owen Grant's going to eliminate one of their top scorers on the offensive side of the field. I've been staring at the six and a half because I didn't pull the trigger early enough on the five and a half. And I'm really regretting it now. So I've been really back and forth on the six and a half number, but you're kind of talking me into it right now. Yeah, I, I don't hate that. I might have to jump on that too. I'm going to wait and see if we get lines on Caesars because uh, they haven't posted lines yet. But uh, hoping that we get a little bit more diversity, just because it is nice to be able to line shop. And um, although I didn't, it didn't end up benefiting me last week anyway. But uh, you could have gotten Maryland, I think, at six and a half when that line had moved to seven and a half on DraftKings. So you know, always encourage people to line shop. But uh, appreciate the input there, Ted. Definitely keep my eye on that one. And uh, yeah, if you already got you know five and a half or even the four and a half, that was you know probably there a flash in the pan. Congrats to those out there um, because, you know, I tend to agree. I think Delaware is going to be solid. You know, they played really well last year, turning a lot of people. And, um, you know, they, they, uh, they're another team that's up there. That's kind of like sneaky hunt under the radar. They're not a big name. You know, obviously they made it to the final four um, a long time ago. That was a big run for them, but they're one of those sneaky under the radar teams that might be uh, pretty profitable if you, you find them in the right spots. Uh, with that though, that's going to do it for our show. Uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. You can, if you came in late, you can listen to the recording of this. You can also find it on our, our podcast stream. But we appreciate you guys all for tuning in to another episode of Bet on Lacrosse.